Kevin Ray joins us on the broadcast. He has a fascinating story. Uh, I've heard a number of stories from within uh, the United States of America on that day. Mm. I know where I was. And we had the um, the opportunity on the year after, uh, 2002, I was actually at Ground Zero. I broadcast mm. from Ground Zero one year later. Wow. And that was, that was tremendous. Mm. But I never thought about people who might be trying to get back to the United States of America. And you were among a group of people that were trying to make it back into American airspace. That's right. Tell us your story. Yeah, I tell you, it's really one of those things that will move you. Um, any event like that, most people I've heard calling this morning, they had something that <clears throat> they were doing or thinking about. <clears throat> and what happened really was, Halloran, uh, my mom and I were coming back from Europe. And we're, you know, flying uh, Delta Flight 11, leaving from Gatwick. And, you know, it was it was just a coincidence that it just so happened to be right around the time that the first plane, then the second plane hit the building, that we were getting ready to come into U.S. airspace. So you're, <clears throat> so, you're almost home. Yeah. And, I mean, if you look at the GPS system in the plane, you can see where you are, you know, and, and you can see that because you have to come from the north when you're coming from Europe and you're making your way into U.S. airspace. So, I mean, you know, if, if you were looking at the map, you're coming into the New York area. That's basically where you're flying through. And so, you know, the pilot comes on the PA system and, and, you know, I have my headphones on and, you know, you hear a noticeably shaken pilot come on the PA system and say, ladies and gentlemen, may I have, have your attention, please? You know, here's a very confident man that's throughout the trip. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it is 78 degrees, you know, and then all of a sudden he comes on and he's, he's sounding like a scared man. So my immediate re response to that was, well, the, the plane's going down. You know, we, we've lost, we've lost an engine or something like that. Um, you know, which, you know, would have probably been better for millions of people had that happened. But, but then he went on to tell us and, and he wasn't, you know, I've heard stories from many pilots and I've read many different stories that the pilots were not truthful at first because they didn't want to scare the passengers and they waited until they touched down. Well, our pilot, wasn't that way. He told us straight up. He said, you know, two planes have struck um, buildings in New York. And he even said America is under attack. And, and, and you know, it, it just shot chills down my spine. I mean, it, here I am, you know, 21 years old, you know, living in Atlanta, you know, not, you know, really at that point in my life, a, a care in the world if, in regards to the danger of my life, you know, from, you know, physical standpoint. And you know how? I mean, I thought I thought I was going to die because it started. I started thinking, okay, two planes have have been hijacked. We are coming into U.S. airspace. You know, I'm thinking two. I've never heard of two at one time. I can't even count on one hand. You know, the number of hijackings that have ever happened in my lifetime. You know, there may have been more. So when I heard that had two had been hijacked, you know, the worst things went through my head. Okay, and I'm looking around. I'm like, where is where is the hijacker? You know, I mean, this plane has to be one of those planes. It was terrifying. So they didn't allow you to come into U.S. airspace then. That's correct. They stopped you short of making it to America. Where did you end up landing? Because I yeah. they put all planes down. Yeah, had we made it into, which we were approximately 25 miles. I mean, we're, we're talking very close right. to coming in. Um, had we made it in, they would have allowed us to to actually land in U.S. airspace. But so what they basically said was that we are being diverted. That was the word that was used. Now, now there was 
not that I mean there was many planes up in the air, but in the in relation to the population of America, there was not that many people in the air. And really, what happened was they diverted us and they sent us to Canada. They sent us to St. John's, Newfoundland. All right, so we'll take a break. Okay. Um, coming up, you end up in Canada, and when you got to Canada. You had to stay put. Oh, yeah, stay put. That's a good word to say. Right. So what happened? Well, when they when they when we finally arrived, you know, of course, the whole time I and mean, we're freaking out. You know, people just don't understand what's happening. You know, it's just a scary moment. You know, and you know, it was a, it was another. I can't recall actually how long it was from the time that he told us to the time that we landed. It seemed like an eternity, but it may have only been an hour. You know that it took. And and I tell you something I learned last night when reading. I always read around this time of the year all these different reports and stories. But the Canadian government decided because they had hundreds of planes that they had to bring aboard to their, you know, on their soil. And, you know, the United States said, we're not we're not we're not allowing you to fly in. So somebody had to take them. But it was the decision was made to put these planes down in rural areas rather than populated areas like Quebec or Montreal. Um, they sent them to Gander, which is in Newfoundland, and where I was, which was St. John's, Newfoundland. Um, so when they landed, we sat there the, for a while before the pilot even came back on. And so he finally came back on, and he told us that there was 27 jumbo jets that had landed here in St. John's. And he told us again that um, it was going to take about an hour. This is after a long delay. Like, I'm talking three hours we didn't hear from him. We just sat on the tarmac, no no information or anything. And he said that there would be uh, a plane being debarked about every hour and that it would take about 20 hours approximately for us to get off the plane. You know, and, you know, we have children. We have babies. We have hundreds of people here on this plane. I mean, I remember seeing just sitting next to me, you know, children and small small children and, and, and older people, you know, they, they can't stay on the plane that long, but they were not letting you off. And, you know, and so we sat there and, and I remember, you know, playing in my head, you know, the really crazy thing. And I think this is really amazing. The very, You know, the very first person I thought did this was Osama bin Laden. Really? And, and I mean, and I'm not saying that that was right or wrong, but my immediate thought, I don't know if that was because I was programmed to think that, you know, whatever, but that was the first person that I thought that had done this. I said, oh, this was a song. I even have video recordings of me talking to my mom. And I said, you know, Osama bin Laden did this. And because, you know, that was just who was our enemy, you know. So I thought, well, our enemy would be the person who would strike us. So we sat there for about 19 hours and finally got off of the plane, you know. And, and when we got off the plane, I mean, we're talking security was at high alert. I mean, it was, you know, machine guns. There was fighter jets over overhead. They were guarding us. They had dogs. I mean, there was the whole nine yards, you know. And um, we de- we de- took off the plane and, and went through customs and made it through all that. It was like... It was like something out of a movie. I mean, it was like, I can't even t- explain really the fear that was involved here because at this point, we don't know what's going on. They're patching the BBC in to the plane. So we knew a little bit more. Um, and, and so we got to, a, to the central transportation place, which was at a hockey rink that they had just built. And it was a huge place and they had a jumbotron up on the, you know, with the, with the plane striking the buildings. And it was the first time that my mom and I, and certainly the thousands of people that were there that had seen it. And these planes were eerily similar to our plane. And watching that occur in planes that we had just stepped off of was just like feeling, I felt like I had been skinned alive and thrown in the ocean. You know, how, how long were you in Canada? 
in Canada for four days, for four days, and, and, and the four days that I spent there were filled with emotion from being scared to death to being comforted. The people of Canada, and that's really why I'm here today, too, is to thank the people of Canada because they, they received us and, and they did an incredible job, you know, hosting us, and it was very difficult for them as well, but they did what they had to do, and they just put their collective arms around us, and they loved us, and, you know, they brought food to us, they sang for us, they o- opened their homes to us. Um, they really went out of their way to just make us feel comfortable. And it was just an amazing experience. Very, very crazy. How did you feel when you made it back to America? Well, that was really the most amazing thing because when we, when we left that, um, that airport, it, it was thunderous applause when we left. It was incredible. And we got off of the air and everybody had mixed emotions. But when we arrived back in Atlanta, you know, and we were the very first international plane that was diverted that made it back. And we were, it was four days. So when we arrived in Atlanta, you could see the support. I mean, Halloran, it, it chokes me up to think about it today because they had hundreds of employees, Delta and otherwise out on the runway, literally as we taxied back with signs, we love America, welcome back, God bless the USA. And it was, it was emotional. It was emotional, but it was an experience that I'll never forget. And the way I commemorate it is that I look back and I think about where I've been and where I'm going. It was my, it was my Pearl Harbor. It was my 9-11. And I tried to decide at that moment that I was going to try to do things differently and I was going to move forward. And I think about it every day of the decision I made to do things different, to change, to make life better for those around me. Am I perfect at it? No, I've done many things that I do not want to even think about. But at the end of the day, I'm trying to move forward. And so I use it as a day to catapult myself back into that spiritual condition that I need to be in as an American, as as a father, as an employee, as a husband, as an uncle, as a godfather. I'm trying to do something different today than I did yesterday. And so that's what I use it as. And I try to make sure that I'm doing that every day. Kevin Ray, thanks for telling uh, your story. Thanks so much for having me, Halloran.